We Please. gotta move on to Kyrie because it is official. Kyrie is a Maverick and Luca has his co-star. The hey, Irving blockbuster trade, the latest chapter in a, I uh, will call it a complex career. Irving's oh, definitely disappointed. I can't sit here and say I'm not disappointed on not being able to land such a talent, but someone that I had great chemistry with and know I got great chemistry with. blockbuster trade. You know, on paper it gives us, you know, scoring, um, a champion. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez. As always, Kyrie Irving traded, right? I mean, this this really came out of nowhere. I don't even, I did not think that this was going to happen, especially how good they were looking. But I guess things happen when the trade deadline's right around the corner. Like, these kind of things happen sometimes. Things are quiet. Like I said on a pod a couple of pods ago, I said this is going to be one of those trade deadlines where not a lot is being talked about, and then all of a sudden we start hearing things, and then it turns out to be a big splash. Um, I thought that it was going to be, it, it was a red flag how quiet uh, this trade deadline has been, and I did mention that I think we were going to get some crazy news, and I don't think it's going to be over, right? It still looks like there's going to be a lot of big moves to be made, in my opinion, and I think we're going to get really close to it. Um, As we approach the deadline, obviously, I think that it's safe to say that we're going to probably see uh, another another big trade that kind of comes out of left field. Or maybe it's a trade that we sort of expected. Um, But this one for sure, the Kyrie one, you know, it's an interesting trade because there's you get such a different perspective from everyone when talking about this kind of trade. You know, so let's just read the trade deals, even if you guys already know them. So the Mavericks receive Kyrie Irving, right? They also get Markeith Morris. Uh, The Nets got Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first-round pick unprotected, a 2027 second-round pick, and a 2029 second-round pick. So big haul for Kyrie, right? Very surprised to see the return that the Nets got for Kyrie. Not because of Kyrie's talent, or what he can do on the court, but mainly just the unpredictability, right? He's a rental, right? His contract's up this year. He's talked about him wanting to get paid. I don't think a lot of teams are going to offer him that max that he wants. I mean, that's, you hear that a lot, right? Like you just, he's just not a guy you can trust uh, when you're a franchise. Uh, And it's just, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, right? The Mavs clearly swinging for the fences on this kind of trade, uh, just gearing towards offense, right? Completely going away from defense, right? We know they're not a good defensive team, and now they're just completely giving into the other side, right? They're swinging offensively. And, you know, I get it, right? You get Marquise Morris, you get Kyrie, you get two guys that can kind of put... You know, obviously, Kyrie can win games for you on his own, right? On, on some nights. Um, obviously, a guy that can just blow up at any moment... You get Markeith Morris, you know, solid rotational guy. I'm not going to say he's a big difference maker, but he does add some depth, some size, some scoring, um, you know, but you got to think of it defensively. I just, I just don't, I don't see how adding Kyrie, who is a heavy isolation scorer, right, can really make offenses stagnant alongside Luka Doncic, who also is an isolation scorer who also has a high usage rate who also makes the offense stagnant you know it's it's strange right it's a weird pairing it's it's not like the Harden Chris Paul pairing in this sense we're getting 
we're getting two guys that can really score the ball. Um, obviously, Luka Doncic, one of the best playmakers in the NBA for sure. He's one of the best passers in the league. So, you know, very similar to LeBron, right, in terms of points, rebounds, assists, and, and putting an offense on his, putting a team on his back offensively and pretty much leading the team in all the stats, right? So when you take that into account, you kind of, you know, there's a, there's a perspective from the Mavs thinking, hey, man, you know, it worked with LeBron. Obviously, LeBron does more than Luka Doncic in terms of, well, in his prime, right, defensively speaking, not just the offense. Um, but obviously, you know, uh, LeBron, very um, high, high usage kind of player, right? Has the ball in his hands a lot and makes things easier for his team, you know, getting guys open and things like that. Luka Doncic does that very well. Um, I would say, though, that I don't know how they're going to mesh, right? I think that in the regular season, when all you need to do is just uh, outscore opponents, right, and not worry too much defensively, you can really win a lot of regular season games like that. But when it comes to the playoffs, when the game slows down a lot more than the regular season, you do need to get some stops. You do need to bank on that when your offense isn't scoring, right? Like when you go through some droughts, the defense is really what keeps you in games uh, and it can win you games. And I just don't think that this is, I mean, this is obviously a win now trade in terms of we're just going to trade away our future, right? They trade the picks. They trade a couple of guys. These aren't just a couple of guys they gave up. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is a bucket. 40% from three. He, I think he puts up like 17 points per game. If I'm looking at that, I I, I don't, if I'm remembering that correctly, rather. Um, so he's like a 17.5 assist guy, right? 40% from three. That's very valuable. He can score in isolation. He can get buckets for himself. He's a good off ball player. He's a good backdoor cutter. Um, he's just going to fit really well with KD, assuming they don't trade Dinwiddie. Uh, you get Dorian Finney-Smith for the Nets. So that's a two-way player. He can shoot threes, solid rotational guy. He's been around for a while. Um, you know, a guy that can help you get the job done on the side, not going to play outside of himself. He definitely adds a lot of value to the rotations for, for the Brooklyn Nets. Then you get these three picks, right, that, that are kind of being brushed off by a lot of other people, you know, saying, oh, it's just, it's just picks, you know, whatever, those picks are late. Well, guess what? Those picks are so far out that who knows if Luka's even on the maps by that time. So you also have to think about the, the picks are very valuable. And you know me, you know, I value picks heavily, you know, but I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to hold on to picks because I'm scared to make a trade. I, I just hold on to picks until I feel like the move outweighs the value of the pick, right? Um, and I think that a lot of teams disregard the value of picks sometimes, um, especially in this situation. Now, I understand. Uh, I'm not saying that the Mavs need to use these picks to pick players in the draft. I'm saying they could have probably gone another direction with those picks and players that they used. I think that they jumped the gun on Kyrie because they knew Kyrie was days away from being traded somewhere, right? Kyrie was going to supposedly sit on the bench, if he wasn't traded, according to himself. So, you know, that's one of those things where you know the Nets are just going to trade him. So the Mavs jumped the gun and pressed the panic button because they just want to make sure that they can get him before they have to look elsewhere. But, you know, if you're the Mavs, man, this this all goes back to the Jalen Brunson thing, right, where they just let him walk. Um, big disaster, right? Especially if this Kyrie trade doesn't work out for the Mavs, which, in my opinion, it's not going to work out with the Mavs. The Jalen Brunson situation with the Mavs 
just becomes worse and worse and worse, <laughs> right? Like they could have had Jalen Brunson, they could have just paid him. Uh, it wouldn't have been as much money as he as he got with the Knicks. And so, you know, you think to yourself, obviously that's hindsight, so you can't really just sit around and think about stuff like that. But you know, it's it's interesting to see this kind of trade. Um, I'm not that surprised that the Mavs jumped the gun for a co-star. I'm just surprised that they gave up all of that for a rental, right? Because he's done after this year. So they're going to have to pay him if they want him back. He could likely walk away for nothing. Uh, and then they gave up all this for nothing. Um, he could also get injured, right? He's very injury prone. He's also very unpredictable. So, you know, very high risk. And it's like, it's high risk, high reward. Um, but I would say extremely high risk, high reward in that in, in that sense. Like, I just don't, I don't like this trade for the Mavs. I love the trade for the Nets. The Nets have a lot of options. You know, if they keep Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, they can use those picks to keep building up the roster and trade uh, the picks for, for some more rotational guys. They can also, supposedly, Spencer Dinwiddie isn't completely off the trade market, right? The, the Nets, supposedly, uh, what I've seen out here on alerts is that Spencer Dinwiddie could be moved again, right? So who knows what's going to happen? Maybe they attach him to those picks. Maybe they they hold on to what they have here. I don't know if the Nets are done. I don't, I still don't think that they're, that they're a, um, I don't think they're a title contender. I just, I just don't like um, that they're, that they're relatively undersized. Um, I don't like them uh, compared to the Nets. I don't, or compared to the Celtics. I don't like them compared to the Bucks. Even the Sixers can give the the Nets some trouble. You know, Embiid is a is an absolute monster. The Nets have no answer for, right? So I don't know. You know, the Nets are in a strange situation. Are they gonna continue to trade to get better, right? Or or are they gonna are they gonna trade KD? Like that's another question that I'm seeing out there, right? That's teams are closely monitoring the KD situation. Right, like the Miami Heat are interested in KD. I mean, everyone's interested in KD, especially he has a few years left on his deal. So KD is definitely appealing. Um, and the Nets, you know, they're in a tough situation. You know, do we just move KD and just blow this whole thing up and and just stockpile a bunch of picks and and reset, right? Hit the reset button again. Um, but I don't know. You know, do they keep KD and then do they bolster the roster? Who knows what's gonna happen. You know, and then on top of that, you know, obviously I want to get into the the bottom line here, right? I think the Nets won the trade, okay? You get rid of someone that doesn't want to be there anymore, and you get well compensated, both for the future and for your current win-now window. So I think the Nets won this trade. Um, I do want to say, how does, how does uh, James Harden look now, right? With uh, Kyrie finally getting traded, right? Like, like James Harden requested his trade it's like he knew that that just things were not <laughs> were not uh looking good with the nets right kd asked for a trade Kyrie asked for a trade and he got traded so you know it's really interesting how badly we looked at james harden for that and then now to me it kind of looks like james harden was on to something uh wanting to leave so early on uh while he was on the net so i want to read the offers from the other teams that the Nets turned down. So this one is from the Phoenix Suns, where supposedly it was Chris Paul, it was Jay Crowder, and it was a first-round pick for Kyrie, which I think if you're in win-now mode, 
you can get Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, and you get a little future compensation with that first pick. I don't know how they didn't do that, right? Maybe they just don't believe in Chris Paul's health, right? We know he's he's been a shell of himself this season compared to the past. Obviously, he's much older. Um, we know his durability hasn't been good. He just hasn't been sustainable in the postseason, getting injured in crucial moments. So they could have probably thought about that. Obviously, you know, you have KD also. You know, he's had a few injuries too. So it's a couple of... Uh, couple of risky risky moves to make so you know they declined that one the Lakers offered Russell Westbrook and two first round picks right those two first round picks that we constantly talk about and uh, obviously they turned that down now to me I think it's because the Nets are thinking well hey we're in win now mode um don't think Russ and Ben Simmons on the same team with Nick Claxton is the best floor spacing for Kevin Durant I mean you're going to put him in a series again where where guys are just not even defending Ben Simmons or Russ or Nick Claxton on the perimeter and they're just going to hone in on KD and just clobber him again, right? It would just make him an easier player to defend if you surround him with non-shooters. So I understand that as well, right? Those two picks, very valuable uh, for the Nets for sure. Those two first round picks from the Lakers, but for sure it just, to them, it just wasn't, it doesn't help them in terms of win now. So they declined that one, um, you know. So that was interesting, right? Like, the Suns, the Clippers, the Clippers offered, um, let's see, the package was Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, one future first-round pick, and two first-round pick swaps, which, not bad, but the pick swaps, meh. You know, the Clippers are going to be good, right? How good are the, are the picks going to be if, if they do want to end up swapping with them? I don't know. You know, I don't know how that trade, obviously, in terms of win now, you know, you get obviously good three-point shooting, you get some rotational guys, and you get some picks, so that was probably, I would say that was a more valuable trade in terms of win now and future compensation uh, than the Lakers, right? The win now piece with Russ, it just, it, it wouldn't make sense, the spacing would be awful, you could, you do get a, t- a couple of picks, but that's about it, right? Um, the Nets wanted Max Christie, they wanted Austin Reeves, you know, so they wanted more, right? And the Lakers just weren't willing to do all that, again, for Kyrie, who you don't even know if you're gonna, what's gonna happen with Kyrie, right? And you don't even know if you're, even with Kyrie, even if the Lakers did land Kyrie, were they, were they going to be better than a lot of other teams? I don't know. You know, I, I don't think so. Obviously, offensively, it's a big scoring punch. It's a big help. But defensively, you know, Kyrie's not defending anybody, you know. And and I know that the team's been better defensively. The Lakers have. Uh, but I just don't see how, you know, yes, Kyrie improves the offense by a lot, right? I'm, I'm not going to say that it's not a big help. Uh, and it doesn't push their it doesn't push their hopes in terms of uh, being more relevant, right? Being more of a threat in the Western Conference. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I just don't see how you know trading all those players to get back Kyrie. I don't see how that makes you better than a lot of these other teams in the West or the East, right? Uh, it's so easy to say, oh, LeBron and Kyrie, yes, they won a championship together and they have this chemistry and Kyrie is a great offensive player and. And LeBron and AD and this and that. Like, yes, you can convince yourself of these things. But it's been a long time, you know, since uh, since we've seen Kyrie um, really help elevate a team. You know, like, yes, he's had some big moments for the Brooklyn Nets. But, you know, it, it's been it's been a disappointment, right? So, so you got to also think of it realistically. 
you know. So I am glad that the Lakers didn't give up all that for Kyrie, to be honest. Um, I am because I feel like this forces the Lakers to get more creative, right, and not be so desperate, right. I'm glad they didn't hit the panic button like the Mavs did. You're going to see the Mavs are going to end up regretting doing all that in my opinion I really do I think they're gonna regret this move um unless the Mavs keep making some moves I don't know what's gonna happen do they trade Christian Wood that seems like the only other valuable piece on this team if any other picks are available for them to trade um and I don't know you know Christian Wood's pretty damn solid for these guys right he's been one of the best players on this team uh for the Mavericks so you know if they trade him certainly they can probably get a couple of role guys um, you know, I'm, I'm, they're not in the market to be trading for picks. They're just trying to bolster this roster to win now. Um, you know, so without getting too distracted about that, you know, I would say this about this, uh, this whole situation with Kyrie. It's, it's not something I wanted to dive too much into, but I do want to say this. This is, where does Kyrie go from here? If it doesn't work, right? If, if this whole thing with the Mavs doesn't work. Where is he going to go? Does he does he end up reuniting with LeBron on the Lakers for that last year um, with LeBron? Does does Kyrie end up re-signing with the Mavs? That's, you know, th- there's a lot of questions that are going to be coming because of that. But anyways, I want to talk about, uh, just quickly, you know, not going to really dive too deep into this. Tonight's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder, right? The Lakers and OKC. Uh, it's going to be on TNT, obviously. It's at Oklahoma, and Oklahoma City's been a great defensive team since January. I think, will LeBron get his 36 points to break the record tonight? I'm going to say no, okay? I'm going to think that OKC is just going to get the ball out of his hands as much as possible. I think that they don't want to be the team that has the record uh, broken on them, right? And, And I do respect OKC's ability to defend when they're very focused, um, I think that I think LeBron is going to drop about 25 to 27 points tonight, and he's going to end up breaking the record Thursday night against the Bucks. I think that it's just a bigger story to do it at home in LA, right? Passing obviously Kareem, which is insane. I just want to say this for for anyone listening, you know, this will be my last thing about this. LeBron is about to pass this scoring record that was set by Kareem so long ago by only shooting two-pointers. Just let that let that sink in. You know, I was explaining that to a friend of mine that doesn't even watch basketball. You know, he was saying, oh, I keep hearing about this LeBron-Kareem thing. You know, he didn't really know even what was going on. And I explained to him, I said, well, this is probably the hardest record in basketball um, in terms of like those... Not not championship records or rings or anything like that, but like statistical records, right? Just the most points score. I mean, this is one of those records that's going to hold for years, probably for another 20 years, right? I mean, it's really hard. Look at everything LeBron has had to do, how healthy he's had to remain, how many games he's had to play, how many points he's had to score since the beginning, skipping college, obviously, to continue to bump up those points. It takes a ton to be able to get to the position LeBron is at right now, to be able to pass Kareem's record. And then I explained to my friend the reason that it's such an impressive stat for Kareem is that, number one, it hasn't been done in decades, but also the fact that he did it on two-pointers only. 
right? No threes, right? No heavy whistles like there are now. And, you know, that's what kind of brought his shock to the conversation. He was like, oh, wow. You know, because, yeah, wow. <laughs> right? Like, no three-pointers, and he's held the record this long. And the only person that's been able, not even Kobe, who came straight out of high school, right? My favorite player, didn't go to college either, just insanely focused on scoring the basketball. I mean, one of the greatest, I would say, top five scorers all time in NBA history. In my opinion, I think Kobe is a top five scorer of all time uh, in NBA history. And even then, not being able to pass Kareem. And that just goes to the longevity of LeBron, right? LeBron's been dominant since day one of his career. It took Kobe a little bit of time, you know, and, and this is what we're seeing now. You know, LeBron potentially about to pass it tonight. I don't think he'll pass it tonight. I think he's going to pass it Thursday night. We're going to have to wait and see. Um, I'm working on a video for LeBron. It's a little highlight mix of like the progression of his career. Um, it's going to be out. Um, I'll, I'll probably release it either tomorrow night or, you know, the night that he that he achieves the record. I will put it out the next day. So the video is pretty much ready. Uh, like I said, it's a highlight mix of his kind of of his career accomplishments. Not every single accomplishment. I tried to chop this video down as much as possible, um, but I do get like his high school, some some high school highlights, uh, some trophies. You know, the Olympics, his championships, his uh, his multiple team successes. You know, uh, focused on his successes, right? I'm sure the comments are going to be rolling in or or maybe, you know, people will will dislike the video because they're going to be like, oh, you didn't show his failures and this and that. I wanted to make a mix just celebrating his successes. OK, so, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that video. Uh, I will link it to the next pod episode. Uh, if you're not uh, subscribed to the YouTube channel, that's fine. Um, if you only listen to the pod, but I will put it in the show notes on the next pod episode. Um, and it will probably be out before that pod. So if you do follow the YouTube channel, you'll catch it before I even post it. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always. And I'll catch you guys on the next one.